right. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's edition of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet and lovable host. And I'm really glad that you're here. Today, I hope that uh, if you have time to take the next 60 to 90 minutes to hang out with us as we go over some of the news of the day, some of some kind of interesting controversy that took place this past week with a friend of mine and also to hear an interview that I did with another friend of mine and to hear from the Word of God, which is how we're going to start this show out. So if you guys are brand new to the show, I want to welcome you and I want to invite you to visit my website, hearttug.org. That's right, hearttug.org or or biblenewsradio.com which is a production of hardtuginternational.org, hardtug.org. Um, you can go over there. You can learn about the, the four main areas of our ministry, which is the show, Bible News Radio, Bible Reading Accountability, Bible Studies, and Biblical Counseling. Yeah, it all starts with a B. Um, and I hope you get engaged, okay? So make sure you join my email list if you want to hear from us directly um, for alerts and things. The best place to get is on our text message list. And all that info is right here. It's scrolling down here <laughs> on the screen. Of course, if you're listening to our podcast, you can text Team Unstuck to 33222 or text Bible News to 33222. If you text Bible News, you'll get updates about our Daily Disciples Facebook reading group and also this show. If you text Team Unstuck, I'll text you every day and ask you where you're reading in the Bible to get you unstuck so that you can be held accountable. And by the way, just a little exhortation here. If you happen to be one of my friends on that list and you're not responding to my text messages, I noticed, just so you know. And so the whole point of accountability is to be accountable to get back and do that. So... Just so you know, your spiritual mom notices. Okay. All right. Here's, here's um, something I got to bring up. And, you know, I prayed about this and I thought, you know what? Um, yeah, before I forget, wait, one other thing. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, and don't forget, if you're on Facebook, you can also subscribe there. If you're on Twitch or anywhere else, you can subscribe to the show. And if you wouldn't, if you would be so kind as to share it out, that would also be very, very um, appreciative. We very, we would be very appreciative of that. So, okay. So here's the thing. I, um, um, I want to share something with you. And those of you who have been friends of this show for a long time, um, you already know this. Okay. But the topic I want to talk about right now, just for a brief minute, is advocacy, okay? Have you ever been in a situation where you needed an advocate, but there was nobody there to help you, and you didn't know what to do? I've been there. I was there as a kid, and I have to tell you, that there's something um, really miraculous, at least in my life, because when I was at that place, when I needed an advocate, an adult, you know, you know, I wanted you to know that um, I didn't really know where to go, but Jesus came in 
to my life, and he rescued me. And what he did was he gave me the Holy Spirit. And one of the titles of the Holy Spirit is Advocate. If you look in, and it's funny, because in my, in my personal devotions, John chapter 15 has been coming up over and over again. And I've been reading in Ezekiel um, lately as well. I'll, I'll, I love Ezekiel, by the way. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about Ezekiel in the future. But, um, but John chapter 15, um, in, beginning in verse 18, and I'm reading in the Amplified Version. I want to read some stuff here. It says... <laughs> If the world hates you, and it does, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you belonged to the world, the world would love you, you as its own, and would treat you with affection. But you are not of the world. You no longer belong to it. But I have chosen you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. Remember and continue to remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these hurtful things to you for my name's sake, because you bear my name and are identified with me, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have the guilt of their sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates the Father. If I had not done among them the works attesting miracles, which no one else ever did, they would not have the guilt of their sin, but now the fact is that they both have seen these works and have hated me and continue to hate me and my father as well. But this is so that the word which has been written in their law would be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But, gotta look at that but word, but when the helper also known as the comforter, the advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. That is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify and bear witness about me. But you will testify also and be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. So why do I share this? Because... You know what? <laughs> I want you to know that, you know what? There's this false teaching out there that says that if you're a follower of Christ, it's all going to be hunky-dory. Everything's coming up roses. You're going to be wealthy, wise, and rich. And that's just not the case. If you are a true disciple of Christ, you're going to be hated, period. You're going to be hated by the world. And if people in the church come against you, then, then those probably are people who are tares, right? They're, they're maybe churchgoers, not necessarily disciples. There's a huge distinction between that. So when, you, when we talk about advocacy and having an advocate, you know, advocates are rare. They are. And yet the Lord left us the Holy Spirit to advocate on our behalf. 
because he loves us. But mark my words here, the world advocates for destruction. The world advocates lies. They, they do everything that they can to turn the face of the believer down and to stomp on the believer and to make sure that everything that they're living in is contrary to God's word, right? And so Sharon Gilbert, God bring her up. And um, I bring this up because I love Sharon, and she's been a friend of ours for 15, 15 years. <sighs> At least 15 years, probably probably 17 years. Um, I didn't expect to cry, but whatever. I'm a real woman, so. But my friend Sharon Gilbert, many of you have, who have been, um, friends of this show for since the beginning you know you know you know Sharon right you know Derek and Sharon Gilbert um they have been ministering the gospel forever <laughs> like me and Randall they're they're a couple that God has called to ministry to stand up and to speak truth to a culture that frankly doesn't want to hear it um and in some ways to a church culture that has difficulty hearing things that are legit well last week or a couple about six or seven days ago um uh hemnent mahata i don't know how to say his name but he's known as the friendly atheist he decided that he was going to watch an episode of the jim baker show where sharon and derek were on there uh talking about some end time stuff and this friendly atheist guy um, tweeted out the following. He wrote, quote, End Times preacher Sharon Gilbert says that an alien imitated her husband and then it tried to have sex with her. And then it claimed to be Xerxes. And then Jesus got involved. And then the alien turned out to be a reptile with a posse of gargoyles. <laughs> you know, I have to tell you that... When I saw this trending on Twitter, a whole bunch of my, you know, my other friends, Carl Tykrib and others, you know, we all discovered this on Twitter because this went international. It went international. I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? This literally made Newsweek. Okay. This, this went all over the world. All right. This comment. Um, so the first thing I did was message Sharon and said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And that was it. That's all I said. Didn't say anything else. Um, and, I, and I thought at that time, I thought, you know, it's funny because um, how do I want to respond to this? Or do I want to respond to it at all? On the one hand, if you look at our promo video on YouTube, Derek and Sharon are the first people in it, right? They've been in the, that video since we, we made it, we finally had the opportunity to meet them in Oklahoma at the Prophecy Conference about three, four years ago. Finally, <laughs> you know, I was like, there you are, you know. 
And it took me a long time to get to the place where I looked at biblical end times issues the way that I currently look at them. And I'm just going to bring this up because some of you are new and you might go, who the heck is this weirdo? Okay, talking to you right now. I thought she was a conservative Bible-believing Christian. I am. Believe me, I am a skeptic among skeptics when it comes to end time stuff. And one of the things that Sharon and Garrett, uh, Sharon and Derek's ministry uh, did for me was over the years, as I began to listen to what was being said about the end times delusion with UFOs and things like that, you know, Randall can tell you, I was like, mm, I ain't going to listen to that, you know, but it took a period of about five years or so before I was like, okay, you know what? I think this stuff actually makes sense. And when you think about it and you actually listen to what's being said by people, I beg you to find me a better alternative to the explanation of the rapture and what the world's going to say when the rapture happens if it's not going to be aliens. Okay? Just going to flat out say it. It, it is <laughs> that Genesis 6 is real. The days of Noah are real. A lot of the stuff that we're looking at today is real with the AI invasion and Billy Crone. And I've met him. Billy is an awesome guy. And I've met, I met all these people that talk about this stuff. Um, does it make me uncomfortable? Absolutely. It sure does. Of course it does. But what doesn't make, you know, us uncomfortable sometimes we have to be careful with because look, you know what? The world believes this stuff. Hollywood believes this stuff. There's a whole new age out there of people that follow this stuff, but the church is up. Let's hit the news button on this and let's ignore it. Well, Derek and Sharon went on Jim Baker's show, and they were talking about some end time stuff. And what the friendly atheist did, I don't know if it was him who edited this video or what, but whoever it was that edited this video, they did a great editing job because they took out a ton of stuff that wasn't in context. And I've said this for years, and I've said this specifically to one member of this audience who you know who you are, that you interviewed me, and I said, if you ever put anything out about me, just know I have that whole tape recorded, and I do, and I and it's still in my, my archives, just so you know. It's like you can edit something and make it look like it says one thing, <laughs> and by the way, most of what's on the media is just that, or you can place something in context and get the whole picture. I've seen this happen with my friend Gordon James Klingenschmidt, who was raked over the coals for taking stuff out of context. But this thing with Sharon blew me out of the water. So the first thing I had to do was I looked at this video. I was like, huh, yeah, okay, I would feel I kind of look like, you know, maybe she is crazy, you know. But then the first thing I did was I found the video, the full video. I watched the full show in context, and I showed it to Randall. And I'm like, okay, that makes way more sense when you put the other stuff back in. So I want you to know, Bible News Radio, Heart Tug, we stand with the Gilberts. Okay, and if you don't know what I'm talking about as far as the actual conversation, you know, I would encourage you just to to go <laughs> find Skywatch TV and then follow Sharon Gilbert and Derek Gilbert on Twitter and and look up the stuff and do the research yourself, okay? Um, what Sharon described was essentially a spiritual demonic attack, okay? And 
it may or may not have had sleep paralysis involved. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The reality is, is that they were, they had, Jim Baker had shared a clip of Chuck Missler, you know, the late Chuck Missler, who many of us love and adore, about how um, there's alien abductions and the idea that Christians can't be abducted, right? Well, Chuck Missler actually was told by somebody, wait a minute, there, there have been instances of stories where Christians have been lured into that, and they have been. That, that was news to Chuck, who was brilliant, by the way, one of, my fam- one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time. Well, Chuck, um, they played that clip. So then in the context of this show, Sharon shared her experience about how this demon had impersonated her husband and was trying to lure her to have sex. And I will say, at one point, you know, she talked about how she ripped off the face, and this was all in her head, and she rebuked this thing in the name of Jesus, but she ripped off the face, she saw this reptile, okay? Now, maybe that sounds nuts to somebody who doesn't understand the end times Nephilim worldview, but it makes complete sense to me. And her point, and this is the whole th- this is the part that fries me, her point was that she claimed the name of Jesus and she rebuked it and did not get sucked into doing what this demon wanted her to do. Okay? That was her point, that the name of Jesus made that demon go away. Okay? Now, the friendly atheist and all the world people out there, the young Turks, all these people who did these videos on Sharon, they didn't address any of that. They just mocked her. Right? That's why I was crying, because they mocked a friend of mine. (laughs) If you think that for a second it's easy to be mocked and ridiculed by the whole damn world, (laughs) looking at you as as an end-time Bible prophecy teacher, you're, you're crazy. A woman has feelings. And as the body of Christ, if there's one thing that we should be doing, it should be advocating for one another and standing up for one another and sticking closer than a brother, right? Um, I have to tell you, there are things in my life that a handful of people know. And without those people in my life, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because I wouldn't have the strength to do it. So, whether or not you believe what Sharon said, I believe what she said, because I understand the context. I also know that the enemy will do whatever he can to mock and tear down God's people. And I just want the enemy to know you're on notice, at least with me, because I ain't going to be fooled and deceived by your crap. You know, and that's one thing you guys out there, this is one of the things. If we're going to stand up and be bold in this culture, we need to know God's ways way above the enemy's ways. You know, if you don't think Satan is real, then you're not, you're, there's something wrong with you as a Christian. If you're not coming under attack or anything like that, I'm not, and I'm not saying there's a demon under every rock. I don't think there is, but I definitely know that there is, there is opposition when truth is being spoken. That is a fact. (laughs) I mean, I've seen it. But here's the thing, and this is the thing that we can rejoice over. And it this was this a couple months ago. I had a dream, and I believe it was a dream from the Lord. 
And I don't say that lightly because, you know, they're, they're, you know, we all have, you know, maybe I ate a fruitcake and I had this weird dream after. No, I had this dream from the Lord and I know it was from the Lord uh, because in the dream, everything was in black and white and the disciples, me in particular, we, we were, the disciples were out there. We were, it, we were being light in a dark world and there was a child that was demon possessed in my dream. And I went to that child and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And that, that baby got delivered right there, got delivered. All right. <laughs> my dream continued as I walked through this thing and everything. And I heard clear as day, you know what? Don't rejoice that you can cast out demons in my name, but rejoice rather that your name is written in, in the Lamb's book of life. We need to not forget that as believers. You know what? The days that we live in are days of deception. They are like the days of Noah. And you got to be blind as a bat spiritually not to see it. And some of you don't. <laughs> some of you are like, you're crazy. Whatever. I don't really care. I know that God has called me to do what I do. And it's not easy. But what I will tell you is that God has given us an advocate. And we all need to be advocates for one another. We need to love one another. I heard a sermon on Sunday um, about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, as and this is just brief here, but the Good Samaritan helped his enemy. He didn't care that he was inconvenienced. He didn't care he was going to get mocked or maybe picked on because he helped an enemy. He did the right thing. And yet today in the church, we have a lot of people who are like, well, yeah, I'll stand by you. And then you turn around and there's blood coming out of your back because the knife that was stuck in it. <laughs> I've had that happen. Believe me. I, yeah, it's like, okay, I didn't even say anything and I get a knife in my back. But here's the thing. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will, he will strengthen you. And sometimes you just have to wonder and, and laugh like, uh, like, couple weeks like two weeks ago I was in a session doing some treatment for some stuff and the electricity goes out and I'm like really and the person I was with was like this is clearly the enemy I'm like yeah it's completely you know and if we weren't both strong believers we probably would have thought ah just electricity went out it just went out but there was no reason for the electricity to go out except for what God was doing so it's like spiritual warfare is real and you know you need to be armored up and all that. And Randall, I want you to weigh in on this um, because you watched everything uh, with Sharon and um, you met Sharon and Derek. And <sighs> anyway, I would just say, consider the source, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, they say that uh, you can judge a person by the quality of friends, but more by the quality of their enemies. Yeah. You know, figure, you know, look at who who opposes them, and then you know what their character is. The the flack is coming from the friendly atheist, right? You know, and and non-believers and worldly people in general. You just got done reading. They got, she got kicked back from people in the church though, too. All right, but. Or backlash, uh, whatever the word is. Whatever. Backlash, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, it, I, I haven't followed it that closely. I don't know who those people are. But if 
yeah, even people in Christendom, they're not necessarily in the church with the capital C. They're in Christendom. You know, if you don't, if you don't look, you know, if you take the Sethite view of uh, Genesis chapter six, whatever, you're going to reject anything that, you know, doesn't fall into line with that. And I'm tempted to do a Bible study in Genesis chapter six right now. But um, anyway, when you dig into the Hebrew, there's something going on there than beyond what most English translations have. Anyway. Right. Um, well, and that's the thing. Most people don't, don't, they don't look at that. And that's why I said I took a couple of years, you know, you worked through it with me. Yeah. Because, like, because when I first read Genesis chapter six as a new believer, I took it in the way that the Gilberts take it. Uh, not, not to the detail, but I knew cause I ran a, Across the you know the question immediately well who are the sons of God and just with a little bit of research um, before I really knew anything about Hebrew but just could knew how to use Strong's concordance and you know oh where else is this word used oh it's used in Job or well these two words you know Benechai Elohim anyway and it, it clearly speaks of extraterrestrials if you will non-human beings uh angelic beings uh and satan is among those and and job just so you know anyway i'm not gonna go down that trail because it's like almost 12 30 anyway but but yeah if, if you don't buy that you're gonna reject it you're gonna ridicule it of course um but yeah the the edited portions you see online it just puts puts all the it's like the highlight reel it's the highlights but you squish it all together and it sounds like this drug-induced kind of you know all this thing happened at once this one experience and this was no and it wasn't it was actually more than one experience exactly. if you actually read or listen and, to and the like whole you thing say, it was prompted by the clip of chuck, chuck missler saying that believers can even be oppressed by and she says, you know, let me tell about my experience. It wasn't, I'm coming on the show to tell you about this new breakthrough vision. I, no, it just, it was like, well, yeah, I'll back that up. Here's my personal experience. And yeah, and so whatever. No such thing as bad publicity, they say. Yeah, and well, that's what I was Business, saying. but uh, there is, but, uh, you know, it, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I too. I stand with them. And if, if you don't understand this stuff, you're going to reject it, of course. Believer, non-believer, if you're a non-believer, you know, if you're... Right. And I think there's really no non-believers, are just non-receivers. Anyway, if you're, right. you know, atheist, whatever, of course you're going to dismiss anything supernatural or spiritual whatsoever, no matter what it is. And the person who says it is is rejected and ridiculed as well you know, shoot the messenger. Um, right. And I just want to say, look, some of you might be wondering why didn't, why didn't you title your show and put Sharon's name in the title? Because I'm not doing the show and talking about this because I care about the numbers. That's not what I'm talking. I don't, I don't care. God knows the people that watch the show and listen to the archives and listen to the podcasts and the different platforms we're on. My point in bringing it up is to be an advocate for my sister and my brother. 
to stand with them and say, you know what? What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And, um, you know, we just have to be really wise with knowing the, the tricks and wiles of the enemy. I mean, he's real. He's, he's definitely real. Which brings me to an interview I did this week with my friend Glenn Hunter. Okay, Glenn is a friend of mine uh, that I met in a networking community, a Christian networking community, and he's written a new book, and um, he gave me the opportunity to be the first person to interview him on it. We actually talk a little bit about the devil in this interview, actually. Um, so we're going to go ahead and roll that footage. I think it's about 23 minutes or so, give or take. You'll see I'm wearing different clothes. It'd be like a miraculous switch. Um, and just sit back and enjoy that interview with Glenn. I think you'll, I think hopefully you'll enjoy it. <laughs> and then we'll be back right after that. Today, you know, I have the pleasure of introducing you guys to a friend of mine. I've known now for, well, almost two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and, um, you know, his name is Glenn W. Hunter, and you need to go to Glenn W. Hunter. That's G-L-E-N-N-W-Hunter.com. I want you to meet Glenn. I actually met him in um, my my Christian business networking community. He is an author, a blogger, and he's so much more than that. (laughs) So so I'm happy that he's here today. His first appearance on Bible News Radio. Uh, Glenn, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad that you're here with me. Stacey Lynn, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I can't wait to, to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. Well, I have too. And, you know, um, you know, one of the things when we first started this show, like 17 years ago, which makes me feel kind of old now, um, one of the very first things we did back then was we interviewed fiction authors. And, you know, so for me, this is kind of like going back home to the way beginning of our show, uh, because, you know, hey, interviewing a fiction author is very different than interviewing a nonfiction author because you don't want to give the story away. But, you know, I want people to know a little bit about you. You actually used to live here in Tennessee where I'm at. So we have that in common. We kind of bonded over that. Um, and, and But you're in California, which I grew up in. So we, we have that in common. <laughs> so, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background. So, to your point, yes, I spent 11 years in... Um, in Franklin, which is literally up the road from where Stacy Lynn is, um, and just had a, a just a great experience. Sort of family uh, matters brought me there with uh, my spouse, my four children, and it was um, just such a different experience from growing up in Los Angeles. But you know what was very cool was that you have this sense of culture, this sense of history that's just all around you. Uh, roots seem to go deeper there, and um, the kind of leap from that experience to where I am now with um, not just my consulting work, but my, uh, my writing, being a published author, all those good things, is that it makes for better stories because there's just so much depth in, you know, in that experience that you could see as people can really go back into their families and, and, and there's the relationships that go back generations and it just makes for more interesting characters and you actually see some of that in my work. Yeah, very cool. So, um, so you speak about, yeah, actually here. So I guess one of the, the questions I have I'm so articulate right now (laughs) has to do with okay so you used to live in Franklin but now you're back in California 
what do you say? I know because we're having a lot of Californians move here. What what right. would what is your and you're you went back, so I know you went back for personal reasons, but what would you say if somebody actually wanted to move here to Tennessee? Just out of curiosity. You know, if you were leaving California to go to, to, to go to Middle Tennessee, literally the first thing I would tell them to is breathe. The pace of life is so much slower. And there's no way to prepare for it because until you're there and you realize that people can't understand you because you're used to speaking so fast, now all of a sudden you begin to sort of internalize the fact that no, it's okay to breathe and it's actually okay to think before you speak. And um, it took me a while and a number of opportunities to like, you know, extract my foot from my mouth uh, from talking too fast when I was living there. But the thing I really enjoyed about it is um, that that sense of depth, that sense of culture, um, good place for for families. And, uh, you know, you again, from a church perspective, there's so much richness, so much diversity in how you have opportunities to worship just under the Christian umbrella that, you know, as I found my church home there, um, you know, you bounce around and you're like, this is it. I, there, there are options and I've exercised them. I'm going to stay here. I just think that adds so much to the character of being in Middle Tennessee and more importantly, being a Christian in Middle Tennessee. Amen. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about your book. Okay. You wrote, you wrote this book. It's called A Word from the Voice, which is kind of, you can see it when you're on the full screen, everybody can see it. Um, I guess my, one of my first questions is, is why did you decide to write an, a novel instead of a book based on, you know, like a nonfiction book? So in this particular instance, um, the story, the book actually birthed from a series of blogs. Um, I'm also an active blogger, but what happened was oh, about 11 years ago, I was at a window of time where I'm trying to, just trying to understand what's going on in my life with my family in this relatively new environment. I've been in Franklin um, what, four or five years by then. Um, and as I started putting these blogs, it was something I would do on Sunday mornings, get up ahead of the, my, my crew, and I just 500 words, pick a word and expound upon it with 500 words, you get a blog. I don't do well with rules, so my blogs are 550, 600 words. But the thing is, it was very invigorating, and, and I truly believe it was spirit-led in, in the sense that I didn't prepare. I didn't know one day to the next or one week to the next what I was going to write on, unless something came to me in the middle of the week. I'm like, I'm going to do that when, when Sunday gets here. So the book came from stringing those blogs together. As I started to see a thread, I'm like, there's a story to be told about faith, about fidelity. There's a story to be told about family. And really what happens when you're in a, a spiritually rich environment and not only do you have all these good attributes, you also have to combat some of the evil attributes, which are also part of the experience. And that's how the book ended up being birthed. How do I honor both sides of that equation and um, tell a compelling story so people can not just exercise their faith, but really see it applied in real time? Yeah, you know, that's so cool. You know, I love to hear that because, you know, in the beginning, our URL was blog for books. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it, it's interesting, a lot of people think that, well, let me put it this way, there's a lot of people out there who think blogs are stupid. Okay. Mm -hmm. I remember, 
<laughs> yeah. I, when I was in graduate school between 2001 and 2005, that's when I started to blog. And we launched this in about 2004, around there. Um, and people back then were kind of mocking, kind of like, ooh, what are you doing, right? Your thoughts on blog and blah, blah, blah. Well, it actually changed my life. Right. It literally changed my life because I would not be doing this today if I didn't start a blog. So, mm -hmm. and I know part of what you do is you actually teach people how to do that. And so, and yet here is a book that's come from the blog um, and all that. And I love what you just said about, you know, um, praying about what you're going to write and then, you know, it, it comes together. So many authors, that's actually how they get started. So I think that's, that's super cool. So what is your book about though? I mean, what's wow. the word from the voice? That's kind of sounds kind of mystical, like a word from the voice or yeah. Tell me about the title. <laughs> Just... So the title came from um, the idea, again, remember the foundations of the blog, and that's actually the name of the blog, a word from the voice. Um, I, I don't contribute to it, but it is actually still active. <laughs> so the thinking was, if I were to have a word from, you know, literally a word from, uh, from, from heaven, if you will, but if I could have that word and then understand, unpack it to what it means for me today, I might have something worth sharing with others. So the word from the voice, as it evolved into a book, comes from the fact that I have a young man who seems to have everything going for him in the world, young, good-looking guy, musically inclined, has a great job and a greater future, and something's lacking. So a word from the voice really comes out from the fact that he gets a word every day uh, from this angelic figure who enters his life um, at just the right moment, just the right time. He gets a word and he's supposed to understand some of the nuances of it as it helps him navigate these challenges. And what he's trying to navigate to is wisdom. You know, wisdom is the goal for him to solve these problems of both growing up, maintaining his faith in a very uh, secular world and, and still be the person that he is meant to be, which is a lot more than what he appears. Hmm. Sounds rather mystical or mysterious, but exciting at the same time. So I actually kind of like that. It's kind of cool. All right. So um, part of the part of the, the challenge of interviewing a non uh, a fiction author is like, I don't want you to ruin your story, mm -hmm. but who would you say that you've written the book for? Because, you know, we got lots of different people in our audience. We have millennials, we have older people. Um, and of course, where can they get the book if they want to get it? So uh, first things first, you can get it from Amazon, a word from the voice um, on amazon.com. Uh, so I'm strictly there. Um, you can also email me at um, glenn at hunterandbeyondllc.com. Say, gee, Glenn, I'd love to have a book. And, you know, then I can just like ship one to you. A little bit, a little bit old school. I, I can assure you Amazon's a little bit faster when they get them out. <laughs> but I, I do offer that as well. Um, so that's how it comes. That's how, that's how you get to it. And I'm sorry, I, I got caught up on that. Can you repeat the question again, Stacey Land, please? Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. The, the question is, you know, who, like, you know, we have millennials in our audience and we have older people and stuff. So who would be your target audience for the book? My audience literally is more toward millennials. Um, okay. 
you know, I think it's important for older people to uh, understand this wisdom. And I think I give them a lens into what young people are thinking. Um, when you've been around the sun as many times as I have, you spend a lot of time thinking, you know, what are these young folks thinking about? And why don't they know that I'm wiser than they are? And then I realized that my parents probably said the same thing and their parents probably said the same thing too. But I think if we're capturing young professionals um, as they're trying to navigate their way, I think that's what the, that's the, that's the target. Um, we can get them while they're young and impressionable and having all these new influences and make sure that they're wrapping it in a Christian cloak, that there's faith involved and there's confidence. And more importantly, there's a sense of my perspective, my challenge does in fact have a faith-based solution if I'm willing to receive it. And for my more secular, re my more secular readers, this is a fiction book that talks about challenges that if you listen to the wisdom, you can still overcome your obstacles. Wisdom works in both worlds equally well. I just think there's more depth to it in, a, uh, in more of a clerical world. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's important because, um, you know, those are the, a lot of our audience is older and a lot of them have grandchildren who are millennials because um, they're that old. High old people watching the show. <laughs> I should, yeah, I, I'm that type of host. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, Glenn and I, we're in our, I'm 53. I don't know about how old are you? 57. Are you? Wow. You're older than me. You look younger than me too. It's uh, because of your hair. It, exactly. Believe me, I spend <laughs> less and less time shaving my head daily. Uh, I, I couldn't, couldn't resist. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, we're both dealing with with that generation, which frankly gets a lot of flack, I think. I think there's, I, I think it's sad that so many people look down on the millennials. All the ones I know are highly educated and very ambitious and, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So, um, so those of you out there who are looking for a good Christmas present, this might be a good gift to give to a millennial. And, and is it for girls or boys or just, you know, because you said your main character is a guy, right? The main character is a guy. Yes. His name is J.R. Uh, J.R. is married to Antoinette. And when you look at them, they are the perfect couple. Young, ambitious, attractive. Underneath it all, it, it is a volcano bubbling that eventually erupts. So even though it's targeted, you know, again, toward that uh, tranche of our society, it you know, careers are being stretched longer than they were a generation ago for a host of socioeconomic reasons. So even as you start thinking about 30-somethings, 40-somethings who are re, re, um, redeveloping, redefining themselves, you know, this book speaks to them as well because you're also getting attacks, both seen and unseen, that are unprecedented and you have to navigate it. Um, you know, if you're a generation ago, you broke 50 and you're thinking about, ah, I can see retirement from here and I'm slowing down. <laughs> and you look at it under a 2021 lens, you have people, they're breaking 50 and they're redefining themselves as, as, as consultants, bloggers, uh, podcast hosts, uh, and, and able to make a living doing it. So, you know, with good health and good decisions, 
um, the legs of this book actually speaks to someone who's in transition um, and definitely need wisdom to make it to their intended destination. Yeah, see now, and that was kind of like the last, really the last point I want to really zone in on is the idea of wisdom, right? Because, I mean, let's just be honest, the older that you get, hopefully, Lord willing, the more wisdom you have. Unfortunately, I, you know, <laughs> I think we all know somebody who's like 108, who's who acts like a two-year-old, right? I mean, it's like, uh so the the wisdom aspect you know what how do you define wisdom glenn hunter hmm? so the wisdom aspect really comes down to having a deeper understanding and a lot of self-awareness <laughs> so this isn't um the book if you're gonna if you're, if you're waiting on uh, Prince Charming to come and bring on and put this uh, the the slipper the glass slipper on our protagonist Jr. It's not that story. The wisdom comes not just from uh, um, one blog or one discussion or one counseling session or one prayer group. The wisdom comes from a series of information, a series of events that you're able to incorporate to your life experience and emerge better as a result of it. You know, we talk about J.R. and Antoinette on the front end, obviously there's friction there, but the, the value of the book comes in the form of the voice who represents the voice of reason. And um, just to give you a little, a little spoiler alert, is, um, is an angelic figure. Literally what he does is he brings a word and then expos exposits it for JR. Um, so he has to understand how this applies to his current problem. And miraculously, it applies to each day that he has this word. And then you have also in JR's ear, my favorite character, excuse me, but he is Demond Red, who's my villain. Stay with me, Demond Red, who's the villain, who's equally mystical, not necessarily magical, but, but, but has this air about him. And he is trying to coerce JR to take the fastest route to all kinds of success and financial acumen and earthly pleasures. I can make it happen now. That makes you think of anyone maybe in your Christian experience or your Christian um, reading. Um, that's what we're going for. So he has to battle these two voices. One of them calls himself the voice. The other one, Demond Red that are trying to guide him in their direction and they're trying to convince JR that it's best for him. Hmm. I wonder who that other guy is. Just saying. <laughs> but you know what? I have to tell you, Glenn, you're, you're actually selling me on this book here right now. You're, you're selling me the host on, on reading your book. I don't read a lot of novels, but you, you were kind enough to give me your, your book and I might have to actually read it. Um, cause you know, now I'm all curious, you know, based on what you just said. Um, and kind of, that's kind of the point, right. Of the show is to kind of get people curious and, you know, you guys look, I wouldn't have Glenn on if I didn't love him and trust him and know he's a brother in the Lord, uh, producing good stuff for God. So here's the deal. If I endorse it, usually you go get it. So I will just say I'm endorsing this book because I love Glenn. And um, I think that, um, well, 
I think if you need a little bit of wisdom, you might want to check it out. So Glenn, why don't you go ahead and give a, you know, final thought, final word about it, and then tell people where they can get in touch with you and uh, tell, you know, a little bit about your business too, in case somebody might want to reach out to you about that. Cause we have a lot of people and you never know. I never know who's watching because they don't tell me most of them. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, again, I'm Glenn W. Hunter. Um, I'm an author. A Word from the Voice um, is one of my books that's out right now. And obviously that's the one we're talking about. Um, you know, and, it's, and I put it in the, I, I proudly put it in the Christian fiction category um, because there is that thread. Um, you know, everything from the, the opening line of the book that comes across, um, you know, Psalms um, 6, uh, verse 9, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Um, you know, that is the underlying theme of the book. And we can all cry out for mercy, but we have to be prepared for the Lord to accept our prayer and then act upon it. And that's really what we have going on with this story. So you can find it on Amazon, amazon.com. Once you open that up, you go to A Word from the Voice by Glenn W. Hunter. My book pops up, you push the button uh, digitally, it gets there within moments. Um, frankly, Amazon's pretty good at getting there in maybe two to three days if you actually prefer the print version of it as well. So um, same text, same words in it, just different vehicles. Um, you know, and I think other things, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a branding consultant. Uh, I help businesses grow through better branding and storytelling. People want to read stories, um, preferably mine, but they want to hear stories. And even when you're buying and selling your goods or services, there's a story because there's an emotional connection. You're emotionally tied in. I hope JR wins, you know, what he's looking for this wisdom or, you know what, JR, I, don't, I, I just can't get into this guy. I hope he just, just flames out and things happen to him because he's just too good to be true. And if you read the book, you find out, you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle of all of that. So um, again, get it from Amazon. I, I, I help businesses grow. I help them tell their stories more effectively so people will reach out to them and buy their goods, buy their services because they believe in the kind of character that they're dealing with. I firmly believe you cannot pull on the purse strings until you first tug on the heart strings. Relationships matter, connecting matters, and I bring that to the marketplace so people can have more successful businesses. And what better place to promote your book than on Bible News Radio, produced by Heart Tug International. Just saying. You have to receive the blessings as they come. <laughs> That's literally. right. Hey, not only that, but what I will tell you is, every, you know, congratulations. This is your first book, right? Very first one published? Technically, it's my second book. Your second one? Okay. Yes. This is my professional book. I do have a business book that's out called Storytelling Wins the Best Engagements. Oh. Um, and that one is what it is. It talks about how you use the power of story to connect with your business audience, whether you're selling to them, whether you're partnering with them, um, whether you, you're, you're collaborating with them. But if you're able to agree on a common story, a common goal, um, you're gonna have a much more successful experience. And that's the blueprint to get there. There you go. Uh, so, hey, if you're an entrepreneur, then the other book might be good too to get. You can just buy both of them. 
Yeah. You can. So yeah, congratulations. I want to thank you for uh, coming on our show. I am, I'm excited to hear, you know, what God's going to do through this and, um, you know, keep writing. Stacey Lynn, thank you so much. I have enjoyed myself immensely. I am so not surprised that that happened because this is how we communicate. We, we, we manage to laugh a lot and we definitely are conscious of giving our Lord Jesus Christ all due glory and all due love. So thank you for um, letting me come in and share uh, that part of me professionally and, and very clearly and publicly uh, proclaim my faith and my love for our Lord Jesus. Amen. And I'll give you a kiss, man. I am taking it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. All right, everybody, don't forget, go over to glennwhunter.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-W-Hunter.com. Go there, get the books. All right, I'm back. Hello. So that was Glenn Hunter. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Go over to glennwhunter.com. Make sure you get the book. If you want to bless him, go ahead and get it through. Well, I think you can email him through his website. So there you go. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. All right. So now what we're going to do is we are going to talk about some headlines that you may or may not have heard. Um, number one, um, one of the big news stories of today um, is that the Supreme Court, and I'm just going to read the headline because this literally just broke. Uh, Supreme Court hears a Mississippi abortion case uh, that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay, so this is a big deal. Janet Parshall and others are tweeting about it. Could this be blah, blah, could this happen, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to predict today that this will not be overturned, um, and, I will pre- and I will tell you why. Number one, I don't trust the Supreme Court, <laughs> which is the main reason. Um, the Supreme—I I just don't trust the Supreme Court. I don't even—I, you know, I don't even trust Amy Coney Barrett anymore because she proved herself to be not a friend of the Constitution when this whole vaccine thing happened. Well, actually, when the whole Donald Trump election fraud thing happened, she—they just boop, just swap, boop. So the Supreme Court—they're not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Just saying. I would like them to, but I think you got to be slightly delusional to actually think it will happen. Uh, it's not going to happen. Look who our current president is, just saying. Um, so all of the people on the Christian right who are like, oh, I hope it happens, I hope it happens. And look, the the actual ruling isn't going to come down probably till the, till, the, till the spring. So, yeah. So for all the hoopla about that, you know, I, would it be great if they did? But I'm predicting they won't just because I'm a curmudgeon. OK, just saying. All right. So the other thing, though, how many of you guys heard um, about. I don't know. which. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. Randall doesn't know what I'm going to say. He's like all the stories we picked. He's putting them flipping through the. All right. Let's let's go to Sweden. All right. So this is an interesting story. Um, and, and I'm and I'm not going to play the video or anything because it's in Swedish. But did you guys hear about now how in Sweden they are um, wanting to have you get your COVID vaccine and put the passport in the chip of your hand? 
All right, I'll just read read part of the article. It says here, um, over the last few years, some Swedish workers have volunteered to have microchips implanted in their hands so they no longer have to carry cash, ID, keys, gym passes, etc. Because it's such a burden to carry stuff. Uh, microchips are gaining popularity in Sweden, and now Swedes are getting COVID vaccine passports implanted in their hands or elsewhere under their skin. Get your COVID certificate and a chip in your hand or elsewhere under the skin. It is increasingly popular to enter a chip into the body with different types of information. And now you can also insert your COVID certificate in the chip, said the Afton Bladet, Sweden's daily newspaper. Yep. And apparently it has been introducing vaccine passports for events over 100 people. So if you have an event and there's over 100 people, you need the vaccine passport to do all that. Then it says here, beginning today, December 1st, Swedes, Swedes, whatever, will need a vaccine passport to go to theaters, concerts, and other larger indoor events. Microchipping is voluntary for now, but give it some time and the COVID tyrants will make it mandatory in order for people to participate in society. By the way, how many did you how many of you heard yesterday it was reported all over the Christian media world that Marcus Lamb died? Um, if you're in the Pentecostal part of the world of Christianity, then you might know his wife is Joni Lamb, and they were with um, I think it's Dayside TV or Daystar TV. But anyway, he was pretty young in his sixties and um he passed away. He was anti-vax. So there's actually now people out there who are like mocking him because he's, they're mocking because he's dead because he's anti-vax. Um, and, you know, I have to tell you that I think that <clears throat> this is part of the great, the great delusion in my mind. Um, are vaccines bad? No, they're not bad. Vaccines are not bad. Vac- real vaccines are not bad. What we have being pushed on the world, though, isn't really a legit vaccine. Uh, there's an article over on the Epic Times titled Exclusive, Forced to Get Vaccine to Remain on Lung Transplant List. A 49-year-old who survived COVID dies after his second Moderna shot. I'm not even going to bother reading the article. It's 9 to 12 minutes. You can go over uh, t- actually, it's on childrenshealthdefense.org. You know what? There are over 1 million people that have been documented to have injury from these vaccines. Over 1 million, and that's not including the deaths. I know quite a few, actually, personally, who have been injured from the vaccine um, in some form or another. The problem is, is the mainstream media is not reporting it. And all the bigwig Christians or whatever, Christians with some name recognition, that wouldn't be me, (laughs) as a few of you in the audience like to mock me, but whatever, ask me if I care. Um, You know, they're avidly pointing out that, you know, the anti-vax people are dying, but what they're forgetting to say and note is that that those who are vaccinating are shedding the virus, number one, and usually people are actually dying of covid they're dying of complications of treatment to COVID, which is improper treatment because they're withholding the legit treatment, which is hydrochloroquine and ivermectin um, and, you know, and some other things. So, 
So it's it's like, don't say that. It's like, look, you know what? You can get a vaccine if you want. I'm okay with that. Is that your phone? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not telling anybody to not get vaccinated, but I mean, to jump up and down and get all upset and say, this person's of the devil and this is what God's doing because they, you know, they weren't vaccinated and they died. Um, you know what? Nobody knows the day or the hour when they're going to go home to be with the Lord or not go with the Lord. And so this is the thing. You need to be ready for your own death, regardless if you take the vaccine or not. And so that's that's what I want you to be paying attention to. You pay attention to whether or not your soul is ready to die, right? You pay attention to the fact that God in an instant can take you away. I have, I mean, Randall and I have, have a friend many couple years ago, walked into the hospital for a routine checkup, had a heart attack and died. And she was feeling fine. You know, I mean, you can die like that. The, you know, there's so many ways that, that people die. Um, but, you know, my dad had COVID when he died. But did he die of COVID? No, my dad didn't die of COVID. He had it, but he didn't die of it. He died because he was 91 and he was super old and had failing kidneys and everything else. You know, that's how my dad died. And, and, you know, I told the medical establishment, if you put my dad died of COVID on his death certificate, I'm going to come after you. And they didn't. But, you know, anyway, Randall, it sounded like you wanted to say something. I did, huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, my camera's not working, so. Oh, it's frozen. You should see the freeze frame that I got. He's like this. Yeah, like well. Oh, look at that face. Yeah, I can be very, very still. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's talk then about one other thing. So um, if you guys are getting my email, then one of the things I sent out today was this email from Prophecy News Watch. Uh, an article, rather, titled Practice Run for the Third Temple. Reenactment of several temple ceremonies are planned. Now, why is this important? This is important. First of all, happy Hanukkah to those of you who are Jewish like me. Um, but why is this important? Because because all of this stuff is ready. And who are they going to anoint in the third temple? The Antichrist. Yeah. The Antichrist is going to be the one anointed. Jesus isn't going to be anointed in that. Nah, uh He's he's in heaven waiting to come back and fight at, at Armageddon, which, by the way, will be with him, hopefully, on that day. Um, but this is what the article says. It says, on Monday, December 6th, that's a couple days from now, a reenactment of several temple ceremonies will be held in Ms. P. Pa Jericho. Jericho? I don't know, Randall. This is where I need your voice to pronounce these words I can't pronounce. I assume it's a transliteration of the Beaver Mitzvah Jericho. How he does that, I don't know, but it's so sexy. We would say Jericho. And well, I know it says Jericho, but Jericho. Well, anyway, the point is, the reenactments will include a demonstration of the anointing of the high priest and the lighting of the temple menorah. A new altar will be dedicated for use on the Temple Mount. Each ceremony is an essential element of the temple service, and practical efforts such as these are intended to prepare for the third temple. The menorah pure oil, as Monday will be the last night of Hanukkah, a demonstration of the lighting of the temple menorah. 
<laughs> will be carried out. Hanukkah commemorates the rededication of the second temple by the Hasmoneans. I know I said that wrong. Hasmoneans. What he said. Uh, in 164 BCE, and the ceremony next week will create several aspects of that historic event. You know, I always wondered how you guys listen to me when I pronounce so many things wrong. Probably, I'm probably related to Moses. No, not Moses. Was Moses with no? What? It was Abraham, right? Who didn't talk well? Moshe, Moses. That was Moses. Yeah. Anyway, I have hair like Moses probably did. Long, slow. I just don't have a beard. <laughs> Although I'm in I'm in menopause and I'm growing little slight whiskers here and there, you know, so you know, but not as bad as some women. <laughs> All right, okay. A demonstration of the lighting of the Temple Menorah will be held. A Hanukkah Menorah, also called a Hanukkah thing, has nine branches, whereas the one used in the demonstration, made of wood, covered in gold, and standing at about four feet tall, has seven branches modeled after the menorah that stood in the two Jewish temples as well as the tabernacle. Since it is made of wood, the replica is technically not kosher for use as the menorah and the temple, which must be made entirely of metal. The gold menorah intended to be installed permanently in the third temple upon its construction is on display in the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem. Made to biblical specifications, it is not portable and cannot be used for reenactments. Standing approximately six feet tall, it weighs half a ton and contains 45 kilograms, approximately 99 pounds, of 24 karat gold valued at approximately $3 million. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. For the purposes of the menorah lighting, special oil has been prepared. Normally, olive oil is made by crushing the olives and then pressing them. As per the biblical commandment, olive oil for use in the temple and for anointing is made by smashing the olives by hand and then al allowing the oil to drip for several days. I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's just, you know, it's long. But here's the thing that I think is interesting is um, if you read the Old Testament, you can see uh, how... People were judged when they did things wrong in that regard. Um, so, I don't know, Randall, what do you think? What What do you think about the whole end times temple thing and all these things being ready, you know? Well, you're just going to hear my voice instead of... Um, the voice, kind of like from face. Glenn's book. <laughs> the voice. A word from the voice. A word from the voice. No. <laughs> Um, a word from the voice. This is why we're not a big audience. We don't, we're not very famous because mm -hmm. of stuff like this. Because no news serious broadcaster would do this, first of all. Well, they might. Kathy Lee Gifford might. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> of course, I still wonder why it's the third temple, not the fourth temple, that that the temple constructed under Zerubbabel's government mm -hmm you know, that we read about in Nehemiah and Ezra, that's not counted as the second temple because it was rebuilt, built out of ruins. I don't know. Or maybe because it was more kind of reconstructing the first, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Solomon's temple was first and then we don't count the Zerubbabel's temple. But then in the second, built under Herod's jurisdiction, rulership, and then the, and this would be the third because Herod's temple was destroyed in, you know, eighty seventy. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, what I I think that yeah, I mean we 
looking at prophecy, biblical prophecy, there has to be a temple, know. you know, in which the Antichrist inhabits. Yeah. And, and I know that there are the preterists which say really Revelation is about, is a, talks about, uh, uh, has the Hasmoneans and all that and Antiochus Epiphanes and all that that happened and it's retrospective, but it's odd that it's written in the future tense in approximately 80, 90. Um, it definitely seems like something future and that requires and, and Yeshua himself, um, you know, post, post what we read about in Maccabees and all that with Antiochus Epiphanes and the Hasmoneans and all that, you know, Yeshua <laughs> said... Trying to do something because, you know... Said, when you see, <laughs> when you see the abomination of, you know, desolation spoken right? of by Daniel... He referred to it as something future, not something in the past. So, so it tells me what we read about in Daniel, et cetera, in Revelation is something future to Messiah's time, and they and they require a temple to be in place, and there's not one now, so there's one coming, and they're all ready for, you know, all the utensils are ready, just waiting for the third temple to be constructed. All right. Anyway, so yeah, it's got exciting times. By the way, I want to thank everybody uh, for supporting our show. Here's the thing. You can do that in a couple of ways. Number one, if you're watching YouTube, like our channel, subscribe to it. Like that video right there, down under there. Just hit the like button. I mean, if you don't like it, I expect one thumbs down for this episode, at least one. You just, you know, hit the thumbs down, like dislike, go, this, this is an awful episode. We don't like you. We hate you. You suck. That's what that means. Or go, yes, thumbs up, bing. Um, <clears throat> you know, we all need some type of validation, right? Uh, and don't forget, you go over to hearttug.org and donate to the show. Um, I want to tell you, yesterday was Giving Tuesday. I want to thank you guys for donating to the show, those of you who did, uh, to the nonprofit Heart Tug. We appreciate it. Um, and we're very grateful for your sacrificial gifts. And I know that they are, because I'm going to tell you right now, things are tough for everybody everywhere. Um, and so those of you who donated, thank you. Um, also pray for us because Randall, um, has been looking for work and has applied for like over what, over a hundred jobs. And we have been wanting to do this full time. I'm going to tell you that the Lord it's just like you talk about. Yeah, maybe this is the job the, that he wants me to have. Well, that's the thing, though. The thing is, is if, if, and I really think it is. I think God wants us to do this full time with all the stuff that we're doing. But the thing is, is obviously we can't bring, we can't live on what we make right now because, you know, do that, you know, come back now that you're back. <laughs> um, there he sure. is. My man. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you are. Anyway, but God, I mean, Randall has been looking for work all over the place. And so keep us in prayer because, you know, we're walking by faith. You know, last month, this is, this, yeah, November, last month, true story. We were praying about how to meet a couple of bills 
And um, Randall went somewhere in the evening, and I was cleaning off my kitchen table, going through some junk mail, and I found an $800 check that I thought was junk mail from two months prior because it looked like junk mail. I didn't open it until that night. Um, and that check went into our checking account and paid our bills. So God, God provides. I know Indeed. he provides, but it's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> kind of fun on one hand, but kind of like, you know, just be nice to smoothly, financially smooth, be smooth. The of course thing. it would be, but. Uh, but, you know, that would be too normal. So, but. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to donate to the show, you can do that at hearttug.org. Um, we are, we do have our Giving Tuesday fundraiser over on Facebook. Just to let you know, um, if you donate via the Facebook, um, donations can be doubled or matched. But that's at Facebook's discretion. They decide who they're going to give the money to. So we may or may not get it matched. Um, but, you know, there's... And that money's just so you know, if you donate through Facebook, we're not going to get that money for about three months. So you donate through there, and that takes them almost three months to send you the check for it. So personally, I prefer if you want to support us in any way, and you can do it financially, a monthly donation set up via PayPal or your credit card would be awesome because then that would help us know how to budget for what we're doing and what we're trying to do. Um, so you can do that. All right. Now, I want to talk about... The Great Shrinking Church in America. Um, this was an article that I sent out a couple of days ago. And I think it's interesting, especially in light of COVID. And this is what it's kind of about here. It says, it's clear that many churches have closed or have considerably shrunk in size since COVID-19. Reasons range from churchgoers are still scared to return to they prefer watching live feeds. But why have bold churches experienced tremendous growth? The issue is much deeper. It's crystal clear that people are hungry for the truth. And this is an interesting um, thing that I've actually noted. I've noticed that some bold churches are growing and a lot of churches are folding. So it's here. As a church in California located in L.A. County, I understand the enormous challenges of pastoring in these dire times. But if the truth be told, the COVID crisis simply revealed the foundation of many churches as well as the heart of many pastors. But thank God there is hope. Pastors, I'm writing this to you to encourage you to be bold as you lead your congregation through these difficult and challenging times. But this boldness won't come naturally. It will come supernaturally. It will have a cost. Life-giving preaching costs the preacher much, much death to self, crucifixion to the world, and the travail of his own soul. Crucified preaching only can give life. Crucified preaching can only come from a crucified man, E.M. Bounds, who, by the way, um, was very uh, prolific when it comes to the topic of prayer. As, and this is Shane Eidelman writing, as I was working on my newest article, A Measure of Revival in Our Bondage, the thought came to me to tailor it to pastors and Christian leaders and to re-release it with, this, with that theme in mind. Here are some of the points. Number one, the fire of the Spirit is contagious. On October 25th, 2021, we began having a church every night at 6 p.m. for two straight weeks. 
At times, the atmosphere was overwhelming, a full altar, dozens of baptisms, the demonic realm being crushed and countless lives changed, both in person and through live stream. As the old timers used to say, God heard our cries and showed up. The key verse for us was Isaiah 64.1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. You can view the services at that link. I got to tell you something, too. I'm just going to say one other thing. If you don't think that there's power through live streaming, let's say you're doing a Zoom call with somebody. They're in another state. There is power through live streaming. You do not have to be in the same room to pray for somebody. You do not have to be in the same room to talk to somebody or even the same house or the same state. We live in such a cool world that we can literally do what we're doing. You're watching me live. I am literally live. If you're watching me live, you're, you're, you're live wherever you are watching me. In fact, if you're watching, there's a few of you. Just put the state you're in where you're watching. That will just prove my point. I'm in Tennessee. I know one of you is in Florida. I don't know where some is one of you might be in Ohio. Um, but the point is, is that there is no space. God can work. You know, I have a friend that prayed for me in California and I'm in Tennessee, and we were doing some great, cool things on Zoom. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what God can do. Anyway, back to the article. Speaking boldly is no longer optional. It's essential. That's the missing ingredient today. God is no respecter of person's status or achievement, but he is a respecter of principles. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Then you will will be better equipped to lead your congregation to the fountain of living water once you yourself have drunk deeply. The fire of the Spirit is contagious. Um, This doesn't mean that your church will grow. It could shrink. But it does mean that you'll now have the power of the Spirit resting upon your life. Churches filled with the Spirit do the works of the Spirit. Jesus said that whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. If your church doesn't look like the New Testament church, are you sure that you're tr- truly having church? So here's the, here's the thing here. <clears throat> Pray daily. And I started doing this again. Pray daily that the Lord would fill you up with his spirit. If you're a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit within you. But you know what? You can still pray and ask God to fill you up with the Spirit, to give you discernment, to help you walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Read Galatians. All right. Dead is for a graveyard, not a church. The Christian life is to be a living and and vibrant, not dry and dead. It begs the question, where are the rivers of living water that Jesus spoke about in John 7.38? When it comes to experiencing a spiritual awakening revival, it can't be worked up. It must be brought down from heaven. And I will tell you a lot of what we see in the church today is worked up. (sighs) But also God can work among that. So in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and the fire came down and consumed the burnt offering. God brought down the fire, but the responsibility fell on the leaders to keep the fire burning. They were to remove the waste, but not the fuel. The same holds true for you and me. We must remove the waste of pride and add the fuel of humility. And I will tell you, if you read the book of Ezekiel, which I've been reading lately, Ezekiel was a prophet who he was actually a priest called about 30 years old. Um, and God had him do some amazing things. And you know, the thing about him that blows me away is that he didn't complain what God told him to do. 
At one point, he is told to lay on his side for 390 days, on his left side, lay on his left side for 390 days as a witness against Israel because of their sin. And then he was told to lay on his right side for 90 days for the same reason to, as a witness against Judah. Um, <clears throat> he was told what to eat, what to drink, exactly these things. And it's interesting because if you read in Ezekiel, one of the things that he, he says to the Lord is, is, you know, I haven't defiled any, I haven't eaten anything defiled since, since I've been around, basically. And the Lord said, you know what? Because he wanted, the Lord wanted Ezekiel to cook his food over human waste, right? And Ezekiel's like, hey, I've never let anything pass through my lips or, you know, been defiled in any way. And the Lord was like, okay, in, in your case, we'll let you do it over animal waste. Anyway, why, why is that important? It's important because Ezekiel had this one focus on wanting to live righteously and, you know, just be obedient to the Lord. And the Lord asked him to do some really tough stuff. And uh, so, you know, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, just keep following me because I'm updating my thingy on Ezekiel. But anyway, um, ignite your church with prayer meetings and worship nights. Humble yourself and lead the way and find comfort on the altar as you cry out to God for boldness. The, the two-week event described above was over a decade in the making as we persisted in seeking the heart of God. He truly is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When God chooses to give us a measure of revival in our bondage, worship, humility, and obedience is the fuel that keeps the flame going. And then the beauty of brokenness is that humility crushes pride and ushers in the presence of God. Moses spent years on the backside of the desert as God broke and prepared him. Joshua's humility no doubt came from lingering in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah was completely broken when he cried, Woe to me, I am ruined. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah 6, 5. Jeremiah collapsed and cried out for humility in the people. My soul will weep in secret for your pride. Jeremiah thirteen seventeen. The Psalms are saturated with the brokenness of David, and Jesus' disciples had to be crushed like olives so the anointing oil could flow. Paul had to be knocked to the ground and his eyes blinded by the glory of God before true humility became a mark of his ministry. By the way, Paul, Saul, right? He, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. You don't think that man had religious pride? <laughs> yeah, he did. Do you... Do you sound like a voice crying in the wilderness because you've been touched by God or a voice whining in the wilderness because you're dying spiritually? You can change that today. We provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire. When you lose intimacy with God, you, 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 you lose boldness <clears throat> and the Spirit's fire. Return to him and he will, will return to you, Zechariah 1.3. The strength of your church is in its purity and spiritual power, not in its numbers. You hear that? See, that's why I don't care Amen. about my numbers because, you know what, all these people went in to spy out the land and only two ended up going into the promised land. Numbers don't matter. God doesn't need a majority. He is the majority. We are not CEOs running a business. We are watchmen warning a nation. Prayer can no longer be a footnote at the end of a sermon. Instead, prayer and worship must guide the church in these critical times. How can you receive a measure of revival in these dire times if there's no desperation? God can't pour into your heart if it's already full of self. Self-will, self-sufficient, self-made. Self must die in you before God can really live within you. The greatest 
hindrance to revival is within your own heart. It's time to break up your fallow ground and seek the Lord while he may be found. Hosea 10, 12. Again, although we can't work revival up, God can bring it down from heaven. If we prepare the soil of our hearts, we provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't know if you realize what he's quoting, but I suspect he's quoting from First um, Kings 17 when Elijah was taking on the gods of Baal. And he, he set up this altar, and he basically challenged the, the fake gods to a duel. Okay, we're going to go ahead, set up an altar, and whoever's God answers from heaven, that's the real God. And Elijah is so great, because he did this thing, and then he wet the sacrifice. He dug a moat. He filled it with water. You know, Here's the thing. Usually when water, fire hits water, water puts fire out. In this case, the fire licked the water up. Complete miracle. Right? I mean, there's so much there. But but um, we are living in exciting times. And I believe, I really do believe this. I believe that if you are somebody who's in God's word and you're humbly seeking him for your guidance and strength and sustenance, that you are going to be, you will see God's peace and his power in your life. You know, he will take away and he will remove the things that hinder you. I was talking to my, my ladies this morning. We do God time together. And the Lord gave me this, this picture. And this is one of the things I'll end the show on because I, I shared this. We are all in various stages of being cleaned up by God. Okay? Let's say you're a fish. Okay? You're a big fish. You're a pretty fish. But you've been swimming in the in the pool of the ocean for uh, quite some time. And the enemy, he wants to catch you. So what's he do? He throws out his hook. And as you guys know, fishes get caught in the mouth usually because they take the bait. And they get hooked. And then they wiggle and then they try to get out. And, you know, if it's a good hook, if it's a good snatch, then, you know, they're hooked and they're pulled out and they die. But the picture I got was more than that. It's like, okay, so you're a fish and you keep getting hooks, you know, like a hook gets maybe caught on your fin. You you escape, you get free, all that. We all have various hooks in our lives, what, whatever they are. They can be our lusts. It could be, you know, it could be TV. It could be media. It could be, you know, whatever, whatever your, 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 your sin is. We all have it, right? We all have sin. But we're all very, we're all delivered very, um, we're all, we are all (laughs) in various stages of deliverance and healing, right? I believe that the more you're close to God's word, the more he releases you from these things that hinder you, you know, and, and create that bondage. The problem is, is that most of us want, a quick fix. Sometimes, I mean, last night, true story, this is going to drive me nuts. So I always listen to something at night because I can't sleep with quiet. That drives me crazy. So I sleep with a, with a headset and I play an audiobook. But last night, my headset, the, the two earbud parts, you know, this part here, the two earbuds, the, the thing was completely in knots. And how it got all knotted up, I have no clue. But it was driving me crazy. It probably took me 10 minutes to to undo 
that it, it was just so irritating. I was like, ah, you know, it almost made me not want to listen to anything because, you know, one of the little earbuds that had that much, you know, thing on it. And then the other one was like a foot long. And I'm like, this is so irritating. But I was like, no, because I'm going to untangle this, even if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> and it took me a while, but I finally got the dumb thing untangled and then I was able to sleep. And the funny thing is, is usually I only listen to something for like two minutes anyway, and I'm snoring. Randall's like, you're out already? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, but my point is, is that it's it's like when we get free of something, sometimes something else comes in. But we can get free. But the way to stay free is to abide in the vine. You know, he is the vine. We are the branches. God will prune us. And we'll grow more. The pruning, nobody wants to talk about because that's the painful part. But we're all in a pruning process. And when we're pruned, we grow more fruit, right? But we can only grow for abiding with the Lord. And so that is what I'm going to leave you with today. Abide with the Lord. And remember that he left us an advocate so that we don't have to go through this alone. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us so much. He looks at us with love, with compassion, with tenderness, with mercy, with grace. He really loves us. He knows your wounds. He knows how they got there. He knows the scars that you have. And he is the one that brings the complete healing to you. But you got to cry out to him in and you know what? Reach out for help if you need help. I have. I'll tell you what. I have never seen the love of Christ so much as I have in this past year from the people God has put in my life um, because he knows what he's doing. It's just sometimes though, you just have to, you have to humble yourself. So just take that for what it's worth. I hope you guys have a good week. Tomorrow, I am hosting a Bible study at 6 p.m. on Breaking Free from Fear. If you're interested in that, if you've actually watched this far, you want to be a part of that, just contact me through my website, BibleNewsRadio.com. And remember, we seek to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. So I hope we've edified you today. Uh, Go in peace, and we'll be back, Lord willing, next week.